0: So a man was in a van, stopped to fill his gas tank, and his van was full of restless and rowdy kids. Someone asked him, are these your kids? And what, are you on a picnic? And he answered, yes, these are my kids, and no, it is not a picnic. In today's gospel lesson, people gathered together outdoors, sitting in the grass, eating bread and fish. And friends, let me assure you, life for them was no picnic. In today's gospel lesson, we hear the story that we know well, we've heard before, the story of the loaves and the fish. Now, this is one of the few stories that's told in all four of the Gospels. And each account gives a little little different information. And just as we do today, they too face many difficulties and challenges. They too are weighed down with many things. But there are quite a few things that we can glean from this story that we can learn today. You know, Jesus, when he sees the need, when he sees these people, he has compassion for them. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke's accounts, Jesus has just heard the news of John the Baptist being beheaded by Herod. This was sad news for Jesus, and maybe he just wanted to be alone for a while. It was also probably true that he and the disciples were just tired. they have been ministering. they have been surrounded by crowds, and maybe they just wanted to get away, get away to pray, get away to recharge the batteries. But the crowds found out where Jesus was going, and they clamored to him. And instead of being irritated by their presence, instead in verse 14, we see when Jesus landed and he saw a large crowd, he had compassion for them and he healed their sick. Jesus' heart went out to them and Jesus welcomed all of them. I mean, can you imagine what that might have looked like? Now, you need to imagine more than just 5,000. You know, we call this the feeding of the 5,000, right? That's not real accurate, not at least according to the Bible. And one account that says there's 4,000. Well, let's look at this a little closer. First off, there's no accurate census being taken here, okay? Okay. This is not like one of those turnstalls at Six Flags that counts all the presents of the people coming through the gate that day, you know? I mean, what you have, according to Scripture, is you have 5,000 men. I don't know why this is true, but I think it just is true that you had 5,000 men, and you know what? You're always going to seem, at least when it comes to like a church function, you're going to have more women than men so we can at least say on the conservative side, we've got 5,000 men and we're going to have 5,000 women and we're going to have some little blessings running around, okay? And there may be another 5,000 of those. So we're looking anywhere from 15 to 20,000 people. I mean, we knew it was a miracle. Did you know how big? That's kind of amazing, y'all. And I'm sure trying to count them I mean, I don't know if you've ever tried to count a large group of people, but they are always moving, right? It's like trying to catch count minnows in a fishbowl. So, yeah, this is not necessarily supposed to be an accurate number. It is supposed to give you a sense of how big, how many are there. And they all came. And these people came to Jesus. Because they had a need. And out of that 15 to 20,000, who did Jesus send away? No one. Isn't that amazing? They all came with their needs, and they all had their needs met. My friends, I want to submit to you that we come to church With our needs. We come to worship. We come to this place and we have needs. We have things that are going on in our life, in the life of the people that we love. We are affected by those things and we bring that with us. And when we worship today, they are here. But here's the good news there is an encounter with Jesus waiting. And you know what? I would venture to say this. If you leave this place today and you, your needs were not met, it is because you didn't give your need to Christ. You took your need here with you today, and then you took your need with you when you went home. You know this, uh, on Thursday and Friday of this week or this last week, they, the staff, we went to the Global Leadership Summit and uh, we were able to watch a lot of wonderful speakers and one of the speakers we were able to listen to was an interview with Dallas Jenkins. And Dallas Jenkins is the writer, director, and producer of a show you may have heard about called The Chosen, right? It's on Netflix, and I'm here to recommend it to you. One of the things that people really love about The Chosen is when they watch it, they go, their, their response is, Jesus seems really human, you know, really relatable. And it's like, yeah, that was actually the design of the show. Now, Jenkins actually kind of shares his journey and his faith journey. And one of the things, when he was in Hollywood as this young writer and director, and he was, his trajectory was going up. And amazing things were happening to him. And he was supposed to have like one of the blockbusters of the summer, and I believe the year was around 2017. And he was so excited, he'd worked so hard, he'd poured his life into this movie. And it came out. And y'all, it was an absolute flop. I mean, they even had like conservative numbers of what it should be. It didn't even meet that. Well, in Hollywood, you go from hero to zero like overnight, okay? And that's exactly what happened to him. I mean, as far as he was concerned, his career, the thing that he loved, being a storyteller, he was done. No one was going to put millions of dollars into him. And so, he went back home to Illinois, and he was just a broken person. And thinking and talking and praying with his wife, A scripture verse continued to come to his mind. God telling him, hey, you need to go read this. You need to think about this. And it was this verse right here in Matthew 14, the feeding of the 15 to 20,000. And he read it, and he read it, and he read it, and he read it, and here's what he came away with. One of the first things he came away with was, you know what, I don't know how, but God is going to use this. God's going to use what has happened happened to me. And he said, you know, I don't think I could have done the chosen if I hadn't been broken first. If I hadn't been humbled. And then he said, the thing that came out as he studied this and went over it, where God was really talking to him was that, all of his life, he had seen that everything was on him and that he had to do it, that he had to be the one who brought the magic. He had to be the one who supplied the amazing moments. Then, as he read this, read this small little verse, he came to understand that that's not his job. His job is only to give God the things that he has and that God's going to take what you have, and God's going to be the one who provides the miracle. You don't provide the miracle. Now it's interesting because we can also say this, we can also say, well, does God need human agency at all? And the answer is no. God doesn't need your fish and bread, right? God can do whatever God wants to do because God is God. But God's always calling us to purpose and significance. God always wants to include us in what God is doing. And so God says, okay, be faithful. What do you have? Give that. You're responsible for being good stewards and bringing to God what you have. God is responsible for the miracle. Doesn't that kind of put things in perspective? Doesn't that kind of take the pressure off? My job's to do the best I can, to give God what I can, and then let God give the miracle. My friends, even those things that seem impossible to us are possible from God. Even the things that seem impossible to us, I would venture to say, are easy for God. There was a businessman who needed a million dollars to close a deal. And so, what did he do? He went to a church to pray. And while he was there, he, he knelt next to a man. And he overheard the man's prayers saying, God, all I need is $100. So the businessman reached into his wallet, pulled out $100 and gave it to him. And that man left overjoyed. The man then turned back to the altar, kneeled, put his hands together, closed his eyes and said, all right, God, now that I have your undivided attention, my friends, Jesus got the attention of the disciples. He got it. Now, it's another interesting thing here, because the disciples, they don't ask what Jesus thinks they ought to do. They see these fifteen to 20,000 people, and what do the disciples do? They go and tell Jesus how to solve the problem. Oh, those disciples. My friends, anytime you're reading scripture and you see something like that, you see someone acting in a way that you go, oh, you're so unfaithful. Oh, come on. Why are you telling Jesus what to do? Stop. Let that be a red flag, okay? Because guess what? You tell Jesus what to do as well all the time. All the time when you pray, you say things like, okay, God, here's my problem, and if you'll just do this, it'll be fixed. Glad I could help you. I mean, really. They never asked Jesus, well, Lord, what do you want to do about this mess? No, Jesus, you've got to send these people home. They can't stay here. Matter of fact, really, and I'm speaking for the people, it's the best thing, because if they stay here, they're going to starve because there's nothing here. So move them along. And Jesus knew, like, what town is going to be able to receive 15 to 20,000 people and feed them? There isn't one. And so Jesus says this <laughs> and gets their attention, you feed them. What? How? I got two fish and five loaves. All right, bring them to me. You know, the disciples, when, when they focused on what they had, it's so myopic, it's so short-sighted. Because what they weren't doing is they weren't focused on Jesus. They were focused on the little that they had. They were focused on themselves. They weren't focused on God. Again, what is impossible with human beings is possible with God. A Texan went ice fishing. You heard this one? So, he got all the right tools. He got them together, and he went out to a frozen pond, and he started to cut a hole in the ice. And there was this loud voice that said, there are no fish under the ice. Man got up and he went to another part and he started to saw a hole in the ice. And again, there are no fish under the ice. Man stops and he looks up and he says, is that you, Lord? And the voice replied, no. I'm the ice arena manager, and there are no fish (laughs) under the ice. Now my friends, Jesus then gives the disciples some very easy instructions, things that they can understand. Bring the fish to me, and then what does Jesus do? He's like, hey, we can do this in a calm and orderly fashion. Have everybody just sit down and relax. And he took it, and he blessed it, and he broke it, and he gave it. Now, the multiplication that was done was not done with a whole lot of fanfare. You know, Jesus didn't draw all this attention now somehow in my mind I, I remember I've heard this story for a long time and I think for a long time I kind of had this image of this feeding of the 5,000 and what it probably ought to look like and so maybe when I was younger when I thought this way but to me I always could see these big piles right I see a, a pile of bread on Jesus's left it's just huge and a pile of fish over on the right but here's what really happened. It doesn't talk about any piles. Broke the bread, put it into the baskets. And then the disciples took the baskets and started passing it around. And you know what? And the scripture doesn't tell us this, but I, I kind of feel this. That as they're passing it around, the uh, disciples are going, great. See how far this gets us. We're going to feed these couple people right here. And it's coming right back. But What happened? They just kept passing it, and they kept passing it, and they kept passing it. And people started, kept pulling out what they needed. And I bet the disciples were kind of like, okay, everybody, don't take so much. And Jesus is like, no, take everything you need. Take as much as you need to be filled. And they just keep taking out of the baskets. Now, the disciples are the ones who know there's only five loaves and two fishes. How's this happening? I mean, their minds are being blown. And yet, they continue so that everybody has enough to eat. Scripture doesn't tell us this, but they may even have passed it back, you know, seconds. And then guess what, everybody? There are leftovers, okay? Okay. It's not like they just barely made it. They still had 12 baskets full by the end. They didn't run out. And all the disciples had to do was to follow the simple instructions of Jesus. Y'all don't need me to like open that up more, right? You got that, right? Follow the simple instructions of Jesus. An efficiency expert concluded his lecture with a note of caution. He said, you've learned a lot of wonderful things here today, but don't try these techniques at home. Why not? Asked someone from the back of the audience, to which the expert explained, well, you know, I watched my wife's routine at the breakfast table for years. You know, and she would make a lot of trips to the refrigerator, then to the stove, to the cabinet, then to the table. And oftentimes when she made her trip, she was only carrying one item at a time. And so, I said to her, hey, honey, why don't you do this and carry a few things at once and maybe you can save some time? Voice from the back said, well, did it save time? And the expert said, yes, it did. Well, it used to take her 20 minutes to get breakfast done. I can now do it in seven. Do you listen to God when it comes to God's help? When you bring your need to the Lord and you lay it down, Do you allow God to speak into your life? Do you say, you know what? This time I'm not going to tell you what to do. You tell me what to do. Because my job here is to bring what I have. And I know that if I'm faithful and I bring what I have, you will receive what I have and bless it. You'll receive it and provide the miracle. Now, the miracle may not be what you think it ought to be. It may be that you just don't run out. It may not be flashy or showy, but it made a difference for you. My friends, there's more than enough for every need that is here on this day. There is no reason for you to leave here with your problems there's no reason for you to leave here empty if we go to Jesus with our need if we focus on God's ability and not on our limited ability then God is working in our lives and when God is really working in our lives and we're Giving it all to God? Friends, I'm here to tell you, life can be a picnic. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.